Great job, great job, great job. Great job, my lord. My life is not my own. To you, I belong. What a mature statement. My life is not my own. You know, that, that frames how you go about living when you recognize who is actually the owner of your life. It frames how you interact with people. When you know that you're a caretaker of your life, a manager, so to speak, but you're not the owner. The owner has responsibilities that the manager doesn't. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Yeah, when, when you're the owner and the refrigerator breaks, you got to buy a new refrigerator. When, when, when you the owner, if you the owner, yeah, the owner get that bill, but when you the manager, you call the owner and say, hey, refrigerator broke, and, and, and the manager waits on the owner to take care of his responsibility. And I don't know that we all see our lives like that sometimes. When, when things happen in our life and we say, it, it's, Lord, I gave myself away. <laughs> I gave myself away so you could use me. My life is not my own, Lord. To you, I belong. I need my fridge. I need my fridge today. <laughs> Yeah, I need my fridge today. Yeah, it ain't got to be a Samsung, but I need to be able to keep my food cold. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, because some, some, some of y'all ain't never been without a fridge. You never had those problems. In fact, somebody else in your life has been the owner. Somebody else has been the one to take care of things for you. You turn to them, you, you probably got a straw boss in your life, you know, for a long time. You might call mama. Mama make sure it happened for you. But I came to tell you on good authority today, mama ain't always going to be present. May not always be there. You may not be able to call on mama. Well, you may call, as, as we say in days of old, you may call, but she can't answer. That's just the way it is. Try Jesus. He's perfect for managing your life. Lest I stay on this point longer than I need to. I want you to join me this month in Focusing your interest, focusing your attention on prayer. <clears throat> We've been doing this for quite a while. 
the way I do my sermon preparation, well, after all these years, is I got on my computer at home in this folder entitled Sermons. It's broken down into subcategories. Holiday sermons, prayer month. So I went to the prayer month sermons and and then that's further broken down by years. And for a long time now, we've been concentrating in September on prayer. Prayer month 2013, 14, 15, 16, sermons in there for each of the Sundays. We've been concentrating on prayer in September for a while. And I thank God for four or five productions placing that emphasis on it. Thank God for ceaseless, our intercessory prayer ministry, focusing on it. But it's an interesting thing because we, we have to grow in our prayer life. I'm going to say that one more time. We have to grow in our prayer life. We do. So, yeah. That's a, that's a part of growing as a believer. You should grow in your prayer life. And just like anything else, how do you grow in something? Repetition. It's how you grow in it. You want bigger muscles, you pick up a weight and you, you do exercises with it. Same thing is true for prayer. You want to do better in prayer, guess what you got to do? Somebody said it. Pray. You got to pray. You got to pray when you're happy. Thank you, Lord. You got to pray when you're scared. Help me, Lord. You got to pray when you're surprised. Oh, Lord. You got to pray. And the more you pray, a couple of things happen. The more you pray, you get comfortable talking to the Lord. And so when things are tense and you're in the, you're in the moment, bro, Hall, and you don't know what to do, that's when the older folks say you can call on the name of the Lord and he's not foreign to you. And because you've been practicing, because you've been doing it at all the other times, it becomes natural for you to call on him during that time. But uh, how many of y'all got a friend you went to, uh, you went to high school with, let's just say elementary school with, and y'all were close, close friends in elementary school? Yeah, but you haven't seen them in 30 years. Can you imagine that you get in a tight spot in your life and you go back and you just so happen to remember his number, money, and you call him, you haven't seen him in 30 years now, but you call him and say, hey man, I need some help with something. You haven't seen him in 30 years. You haven't talked to him in 30 years, but you're asking him to come to the rescue. That's how we treat the Lord. We haven't talked to him in a long time. Yeah, we haven't shared with him the good days or the bad days because we've been handling it. And just when something go down real bad, we decide we're going to call him and say, hey, Lord, 
Help me. Now, I got news for you. I'm going to tell you this. This is the cheat code. If you belong to him, he's the owner. And he has an obligation as the owner to take care of his children. Even if you have been, I'm going to use this word, prodigal. If you have been away from him, he's still going to take care of you. Because he loves you that much. So I don't want to, I don't want to. But I don't want you to have that kind of relationship with him because you're missing too much. And so today I want to talk about a prayer that covers something that the Bible hates. Now I can't tell you that there's going to be a certain theme to this month other than prayer, specifically prayer. But there is a passage of scripture and a parable in Luke chapter 18. There's one verse I want to lift out that's the foundation of this parable. We're going to talk about it and then we're going to get you out of here this morning. Luke 18 and 11. Yeah. Luke 18 and 11 is the scripture. Some of you may be familiar with it. For those of you who appreciate and have been in and have read this, it's known as the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Publican means tax collector. Luke. And the verse I want to lift is verse 11. And then we're going to fill in the blank. The Bible says that the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Publican is what it says in the King James Version. Even as this publican. And then he reads, and then Jesus continued in verse 12. The Pharisee started listing his resume to the Lord. He said, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. But it says in verse 13, that the tax collector stood afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote himself upon his breast, which means he was hitting himself in his breast, which is a sign of distress, sign of guilt, sign of shame saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm going to stop right there and talk about the sin that should not be within your prayer, and that is pride. 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 All of us have little maladies or dislikes or diseases 
or illnesses or situations that go on with our physical body. We don't like suffering from them. Some of them we can't do anything about. We certainly don't like the pain or the distress that they cause us. Some of us were born with these small issues that don't stop us from being who we are. They're simply part of what we have to deal with. You know, Some people have a reoccurring pop when they walk in their leg. They don't know why. It just pops. The doctor said there's nothing wrong. Some reason every now and then, every, every so many steps, it just pops. Can't fix it. And so if you were to search in medical journals, there are things like that all over the world that people deal with. But there is a disease that we suffer from. And you won't, you won't find it listed in any medical journal. You won't find it in any textbooks. You can't get your company to cover it on your insurance policy. Your health insurance won't cover it. You can't get workman's compensation for it. But it's one of the most debilitating diseases that affects us. Yeah, it's, it's a modern word, and it's a little strange, but believe me, it's a real deal. It's called arrogantitis. Arrogantitis. And it's the tendency to thank you more than other folk. Not only that, it's also the tendency to determine your own worth by comparing yourself to other people. Arrogantitis. It is a virulent disease that is killing us in ways we don't know. It is the motivation behind many social media engines. It is an evil taskmaster if you don't realize you're suffering from it. You may have some deeper problems because it can affect your self-esteem and it can affect your emotional well-being. It's a widespread and destructive disease. And unfortunately, some folk don't even know they're struggling with it. So let's do a little screening test. That's what they do in the hospital, ain't it, when they come in and see you? Are you always comparing yourself to other folk? Don't answer out loud. Yeah. If so, perhaps you're suffering from arrogantitis. Are you always wishing you had what was on somebody else's plate? Maybe, just maybe. You're suffering from that. When, when you're suffering from arrogantitis, it will leave you in strange places. For one thing, 
Dealing with this malady will keep you isolated from the church. Yeah, from the, well, not really the church, but people in the church. If you're there at all. If you're not, it'll keep you isolated from people in your community or on your job. It'll have you spending money you don't have to please people you don't know and who don't know you. Yeah. In fact, it might have you spending money to please people you don't even like. It'll leave you isolated from your family. People struggle with it. And so Jesus had just finished telling this story, this parable. Two men, let me see if I can summarize it for you. Two men went into the, into the temple to pray. So there were two men, everybody say two men. There were two prayers, say two prayers. And then there were two different outcomes, say two outcomes. The question is, where might I lie? Where might I stand in this place? Two men went in to pray. One was a Pharisee. One was a tax collector. Let me tell you something about Pharisees because I want you to understand that we have given them a really tough image in the Bible. Pharisees were the lay leaders of the temple. They were the ones who were not, they weren't the priests, all right? They would be akin to deacons or those who had not been called into the preached ministry, but they were supportive. They knew the scripture. They followed the scripture. I want you to know this. In this parable and in most parables, even though they get a bum rap because of how they go about things, Pharisees were the good guys. Yeah, they were the good guys. They were the guys who you want to have helping around the church. You want them to help move and support. The problem is some of them went too far. Some of them made what they did like a religion. And because of that, because they made it that way, they took God out the picture and put themselves in his place. Which is why one would have the audacity to go up in the temple and pray to God, and pray to God now, but list his own resume. As if God didn't already know what he had blessed him with. He got to tell him all the things. In other words, instead of him being thankful to what God had done for him, it's almost as if God should be thanking him for what he's doing. Somebody hear me what I'm saying today. Yeah, it's almost like he went into church and expected that God would give him an attaboy for using the things that he had given him. And that's why in this parable, this Pharisee is problematic. It wasn't to cover all Pharisees. That's what I want you to understand. But this particular Pharisee is giving that order of leader in the church a bad name. Because he goes in that day and he is full of himself, David. He is full. He stands there proudly, tallly with all the blessings that God has put on him and he starts saying things that make himself seem taller and more blessed than he was, which was okay if you came in and say, Lord, I thank you that you've been so good to me. 
I thank you that you've blessed me and my household with this and that. And with these blessings, Lord, you've enabled me to help the community in this way. And I want to thank you for allowing me to do that. But that's not what he said. He said, no, Lord, you gave me more beans and I ate them and it made me stronger and faster than everybody else. Yeah, he said, no, Lord, you gave, me, you gave me cotton and the cotton made me, let me make clothes that make me look prettier than everybody else. This is what he, I used what you gave me to make me better than everybody else. That's what he's saying. And then to top it all off, Bobby, he had the audacity, the tenacity to stand before the altar of God and say, and I thank God that I ain't like these folk out there that's robbing and killing and adulterers. And then he had the nerve to come from outside back into the temple and like this dude standing right here, that's a, he used the word, King James Version said, Jessica said publican, but it meant tax collector. There's a man standing there with him. He was the other man. One man was a Pharisee. The other man worked for the RRS, the Rome Revenue Service. All right. He did. You know. We don't, I don't care what era you live. Don't nobody like folk who work for the Rome Revenue Service the Internal Revenue Service, it, it don't matter. They simply are not, and, but, but in this instance, Jessica, it was different, let me tell you why. You know, as honorable a profession as it is to work for the Internal Revenue Service, now they get a really bad rap. This man knew what he had done. See, the reason Jews disliked people who were tax collectors so much is because they were Jews who worked for Rome. Yeah, the Jewish people did not like the Jews who worked for the army that had taken over their company. And these were Jews who did the dirty work of collecting the taxes from the other Jews to give to Rome. But they also had the bad habit, because they were collecting, of collecting more than was necessary and keeping the extra for themselves. You know, they call it a surcharge, uh, uh, an administrative cost. Yeah, yeah, you owe Rome $10, and that'll be a $3 surcharge. Well, who gets the surcharge? And they say, I'm the sir that gets the charge. And so while they're under the authority of Roman uh, um, supervision, they're still in town for, for themselves. And so all the tax collectors were living large at the expense of their neighbors. And this Pharisee saw this tax collector who was standing in the temple with a completely different posture. First of all, we ought to celebrate that the tax collector came into the temple, all right? Because he knew how people thought about him. And yet he came into the temple anyway, and he stood there. The Bible says, you saw me, you heard me read it, he wouldn't even get close to the altar. 
This is the place he knew he had. Not only that, when he, when he prayed, instead of standing there arrogantly like the Pharisee did, standing there proudly with his fine garb on, looking up to God like he was equal to God, the Bible says that the, the tax collector stood off like this. He wouldn't even get close to the altar. And he wouldn't even look at the altar because he was so ashamed of how he looked. And the Bible said he just sat there saying, Lord, can I paraphrase? Because, you know, Lord, forgive me because I know I'm a sinner. Which one of these two men do you think received the blessing from God? That becomes the question. Is it the Pharisee? who in all other respects knows the scripture, knows how to take care of what God has given him under normal circumstances? Or is it this man who steals and cheats from his neighbors? The reason Jesus told his parable is to teach us that there is a way that we can pray that damages our prayer life. It doesn't matter how good we've been in all other respects, if you pray, the Bible uses this word amiss. If you pray with the wrong attitude, if you pray with pride in your heart, then heaven won't receive your prayer. And even if you are a low-down, dirty tax collector, if you got enough about you, Tyrone, to come to the Lord, and beg him for the mercy of forgiveness, even a low-down, dirty tax collector can walk away from that altar, having received the blessing of the Lord. See, it's, it's, it's about how we approach him. Not who we are, not what we got, not what we've done, not who we know. It's about our relationship with the Lord in that moment. Two men, two prayers, two outcomes. The question today I want to ask you, and I'm gone, is how do you approach the Lord? How do you approach him? How do you approach him on a regular basis? <laughs> sometimes I think we're too familiar. With, no, sometimes I know we're too familiar with the Lord. We, 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 can, we think we can just say anything to him under any circumstances. I told you this story before. Any child I know, when, when you used to go outside and play, you knew you had to check yourself before you came in the house. Because sometimes I go outside and I've been playing ball all day, Cash. I'm out there, me and my boys, Dylan, you know, and, and I'm coming in and I'm sweaty and I'm dirty and I'm mad because Rick and them know they cheated on that last game, man. We had won that game. I'm, I, I knew it. You know, the last shot I took went in. They talking about, nah, it, it hit the rim and then went out of bounds. I'm still dealing with that when I come in the house. You know, I'm mad, but I can smell mama cooking that chicken before I get in there. I'm ready to come in there and eat. And, 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 and I come in the door and I'm ready to come and sit down and get ready to eat just good. And my mama said, boy, go in there and clean up before you sit down at my table. And I said, man, my mama, I'm hungry. And she said, hold up. She said, hold up. You better remember who you talking to. You ain't outside no more. And you got to, I know I ain't the only one. 
Yeah, yeah, I done seen some of my friends get backhanded. I mean, you know, they come back out the door. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't get it together before they went in. Now, God won't backhand you, but he won't bless you. All right, because you have to approach him properly. Just like if your mama and your daddy require you to approach them properly before they bless you with your butter beans and chicken. Then you know that the Lord is going to want you to come right before he blesses you with whatever it is he gives you. Some of us fully expect no matter how we come. And we also think that once we reach a certain status in life, we can just come in and put our blessing card down. And the Lord going to automatically, no matter how we treat folks, no matter what we do, at some point when you've done wrong, you got to tell the Lord, I'm sorry. You got to ask him for his forgiveness. You got to beg him to beg your pardon for the transgressions you made on his name. Even if you do everything else right, you still need to get that wrong right. That's, that's how he is. The Pharisee didn't understand it that day, but the tax collector did. You know why? Because he had lived in that wrong spot so long. He knew the darkness and the coldness that was felt from being isolated. And he knew that the warmth he needed could only come from God's light. And I came to tell you today that that's what's required of you too. Isaiah said this. He said, I live, the prophet told Isaiah to write these words, I live in that high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I refresh the humble and give new courage to those with repentant hearts. Yeah, not a one-time repentant, because we still do stuff every day. Yeah, I gave myself to the Lord a long time ago, but I'm still struggling because life keeps lifing, and I'm flunking on some days. I can't keep going back to the day when I gave my life to the Lord. I know I'm saved, but I need to be saved every day. I need to be consecrated every day. I need to be blessed every day with a spirit of doing right. Living righteously helps draw me closer to the Lord. And so when you pray, when you pray, when you hit your knees or whatever posture you find yourself in, you ought to be hitting reset on your relationship with the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I, can I tell you? The folk at my job tell us it doesn't matter. We, we think when we leave at night, we, we leave our desk. We all got these computers at our desk. And we leave. And the computer, at a certain point, will automatically time out. All right? And then we come back the next day. And if you know anything about a computer, you hit your little mouse and your mouse and your computer come back on. And then you put your little code in and you're ready to go. But all our IT folk, the one who work at it, said every week you need to power your computer all the way down. Shut it down and let it restart again. Because in the internal processes that the computer goes through, it pushes junk out 
and pulls new updates in. Somebody ought to hear what I'm saying about life. When you go down on your knees, you ought to be hitting a restart every day. You need to be saying, Lord, forgive me for the mess I did and bless me with these new mercies that you're going to give me. Now, I know if it worked for a computer, it ought to work for you too because your brain is better than a computer. You got more power in your brain than a computer does. People don't know that. Yeah, you just got to learn how to tap into all the resources on that God has given you up here. If you could see a screen of your computer brain, it would be like your, your phone. Your phone tells you every now and then, do you want to eliminate these programs because you haven't used them in six months? That's what it tells you. Yeah, stuff you put on there, you downloaded apps that you don't know how to use and don't want to use. You downloaded it because you could get 5% off somewhere. And now you don't use it, and it tells you, you can get rid of this now. I'm telling you, you get stuff like that in your life all the time. And you need to get rid of it because it's causing your computer to run differently than it would have without that stuff on it. Your life is like that, too. You draw people into your life for a moment, for a day, for a week. And then you don't utilize them anymore. And the Lord is saying, you need to get them out your contacts because they're not good for you. And that's why you keep getting the junk from that shoe place because you keep downloading stuff. Here, restart. That's what prayer is for you. But when you do it, you got to do it with the right spirit. Not arrogantly, but humbly when you do it. How then shall I pray? Pray with the spirit of humility. Yeah. Pray knowing that even the privilege to come before God is a gift. Pray in that way. Pray knowing that God will turn away a prayer that's saturated with pride. It won't even hear it. It's full of selfishness. If you're defaming somebody else, God won't hear it. Thank God I'm not like that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You ever seen something happen to somebody and your first thought was, I'm so glad that wasn't me? I know you have. Because it's human nature. Human nature to do that. But we can grow through that. We can ask the Lord to, instead of that being our first reaction, you can at least say, Lord, bless them. Strengthen, strengthen them. Yeah. The sacrifice God wants is a broken spirit. A broken and repentant heart. And God will not despise that according to the psalmist. God loves you. How do I know that? Because the same God who allowed us to come to him in the newness of life is also the same God who sustains us in that life. He didn't just draw us into the family and forget about us. He's the same God who has been keeping us I'm standing here right now. I'm struggling because I'm, I'm trying to get my thoughts together. The last time I stood in a pulpit in Tuskegee, I was funeralizing a 21-year-old nephew. This, son, this Saturday, I funeralized an 82-year-old woman. Different situation. Same God. Same God. Yeah, the same one who can deal with a 21-year-old is the one who can keep an 82-year-old. Somebody need to hear me now. 
the same message. We think you can preach Jesus different to young folk than old folk. But I got to tell you this right now. He's the same Jesus who can keep you when you're young and sustain you all the way till you're older in years. The same one. Best you come to know him when you're young so you can let him guide you all the way to that long life. That's the best thing for you. That's the kind of God I'm talking about. Do you know him? If you've never accepted him as your God, I came to offer him today for you. I came to tell you that he knows what you need today. But what you need is him. And if you've never accepted him as your personal savior, you know that he lived for you, he died for you, and that God resurrected him to life eternal. If you didn't know that he was the one, I came to tell you, he is today. And you can have eternal life too. I can't promise you that God will stop you from dying. But I can tell you that he loves you enough not to let you stay dead. I came to tell you, he loves you that much that even if you go through death, he'll resurrect you. That's the kind of God I serve. Yeah, yeah, he'll come get me. Even if I'm in the grave, he'll come get me so that I can be with him eternally. And so today I'm empowered to give you that same assurance. If you hear the doors of our church are wide open, whosoever will, let them come right now, right now. While the choir stands to sing this song, the doors of our church are wide open.